So let us look to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, again, we magnify and we glorify your precious name, thanking you for just another day that you've given us, thanking you for all that you've poured into us, even from early this morning, Lord God, just reminding us above all things who you are, Lord God. And as we focus on knowing you and, and growing in our understanding of who you are, Lord God, that it changes us from the inside out, Lord God, that it makes us over and it, uh, and it makes us into a vessel, Lord God, that you can use, a vessel that is useful for your kingdom, even on today, Lord God. And so we pray right now, Lord God, as you speak to our hearts. I pray that every heart is open first and foremost and above all things, Lord God, to receive, Lord God, your word, that we may be in hearers of the word, become doers of your word, Lord God, that we'll allow your word to, to manifest in our lives by taking it deep in our hearts, Lord God, and allowing it to work in us, Lord God, that which you have sent it out to do and to accomplish. So right now, Lord God, I pray against every spirit, Lord God, that will exalt itself against the knowledge of who you are. Everyone that is sent right now to distract, Lord, we bind it in the name of Jesus. Everyone that is sent to to cause one's attention to be moved towards something else, Lord God, we bind it in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that hearts and minds are open and that reception of your word, Lord God, Is that what we do in this hour? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Glory be to God. I just want to start by saying uh, thank God for his people that uh, are obedient to him. I just want to give a shout-out to uh, Brother Rico and uh, uh, Brother Mike. Uh, Curtis, they came down to the church with me on yesterday and they blessed us with their hands and their knowledge of constructing stuff and God has blessed us with a board that we're going to be able to use even on today uh, in there. It's something that I've been wanting for a while and we've had it actually for a while and I just thank God for your, you guys being. I want to just give you a shout out because this, it means a lot to me. Amen. And it certainly means even the more to him. So having said that, let us look to the word right now. So our text is coming out of Jeremiah chapter five, Jeremiah chapter five, excuse me, Jeremiah chapter one. Jeremiah is in the Old Testament. is right after the book of Isaiah, so I'll give you a second to get there. And on today, the title of the message is, uh, hear this, hear this. You may want to take out your pens for notes. The, uh, if you need a note, a little note paper, we have them over there. And if you need a pen, you definitely uh, want to get you that. The title of the message today is Sanctification Without Transformation sanctification without transformation. Jeremiah chapter 1 and the text verse is is verse 5 on today. Sanctification without transformation. 
And God really wants to speak to our hearts on today, my friend, for those of us as true believers, because the church for so long, we've had an idea of what sanctification is and what it's all about. And I just believe that through the revelation of his word and the revealing of his word, that God wants to bring some clarity into sanctification uh, in our understanding of it and how it relates directly to transformation. Glory be to God. So in the book of Jeremiah, just to set the tone, this is just the text is just to set the tone because in verse five of Jeremiah, we know that Jeremiah was uh, a prophet uh, that God had called. And not only some of you may know that not only was he a prophet, but he was also a priest in there to the nations. And he was called to the nations to be able to speak the oracles of the Lord unto the nations. Verse 5 says this of Jeremiah chapter 1. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I, somebody say I. I, I here is God. So God says, before you were born, I sanctified you. This is God that sanctifies and what we want to understand and what God really wants to speak to our hearts today is that sanctification, being sanctified, is something that God does. Come on, somebody. We're going to learn something today because, and, and, and why is God having to speak this message to us and why does he want us to have this understanding? It's because for so long, and if we ain't careful, and many of us, if we just think about it, you know, we, under, we think we know uh, we may know in, our, in the depths of our heart that God is the one that sanctifies as, the word, as, as he spoke to, about Jeremiah and not just Jeremiah, but for all that he's called to do anything for the kingdom of God, which sounds like you and me, that God is the one that sanctifies. But if we're not careful, if we just really think of that, we may know in the depths of our heart, but the way we live in, in the way we are going on this journey, the way we trying to, uh, uh, to move through and navigate through the journey is many of us are trying to sanctify ourselves. Amen. This is what we have kind of been led to believe, that you got to sanctify yourself. Well, the Bible says that he is the one that sanctifies. So first and foremost, what we want to talk about, what is sanctification? Sanctif uh, what is sanctification? What does it even mean? I want to go and give you several uh, uh, meanings. And some of this stuff you may want to write down. To sanctify, in general sense, it means to cleanse, purify, or make holy. In a general sense, it means to cleanse, to purify, or make holy. See, if we go no further right there, then uh, the fact of the matter is, is that we, we got to know that sanctification, then if this is what sanctify means, we can't cleanse ourselves. We certainly can't purify ourselves. And none of us can make ourselves holy. So we got to know that this comes from God. Amen. I know this is maybe a tough message. Because for many of us, as, you know, especially for, for some of us, as long as we've been in the church, then our thoughts 
of sanctification where we made new biblically that it, that it was what God was doing, but our thoughts were something that we are doing on a day-to-day -day basis as though we are sanctifying ourselves. The, uh, number two is uh, the, the meaning of sanctification is to separate, to set apart, or appoint to a holy, sacred, or religious use. I'm going to say that again. To set apart, to separate, or appoint to a holy and sacred religious use. So you can't do that yourself either. There's something that God has to do. Now, there are things that we can uh, sanctify in there. There's things that we may take and set apart. I'm talking about, see, the one who, who sanctifies is the one who is in uh, control of setting something apart. For it's for my particular use. So if I, if, I, if I have something in my home and I want to sanctify it, I may set it apart for a particular use. That's, that, that's an example of me being the sanctifier. But we can see that God is the sanctifier because it's him that has called us out of the darkness into the marvelous light. It's him that has made a way for us to even be able to be in the sun yet again. Amen. So it was him that has done this. Number three, another uh, definition is to purify, to prepare for divine service and for partaking of holy things. This is what sanctify means. To purify, to prepare for divine service. Sanctify means to prepare for divine service and partaker of holy things. And then verse, uh, not verse, but uh, number four. Now, this is all different definitions. Number four is to separate, ordain, and appoint to the work of of redemption and the overseeing of the church. We're talking about this is what sanctify means. So here again, you can see that this ain't something that man can do. This is something that God is doing in our lives to separate, to ordain, and appoint to the work of redemption and the overseeing or the governing of the church. Amen. And then number five, this is the fifth definition that I wrote down. It's to cleanse from corruption. This is what sanctify. Somebody say this is what sanctify means. To cleanse from corruption, to purify from sin, to make holy by detaching the affections from the world and its defilements and exalting them to a supreme love to God. This is what sanctify means. To cleanse from corruption, to purify from sin, and to make holy by detaching the affections from the world and its defilements and exalting them to a supreme love to God. So in other words, that's what sanctify means, but so to sanctification then. Can everybody see this? So sanctification is the process that, of, uh, that God does. And I wrote this down, and you may want to copy this down. This is powerful. Sanctification is 
the act of God's grace by which the affections of men are purified and alienated from sin and the world and exalted to supreme love to God. No, we ain't gonna, we ain't gonna be doing no hooping today, but we're gonna break this down and allow God to teach us something. See, sanctification is the process that God does, and he's doing it first and foremost by his grace and in, in, in in the first thing that it is set out to do is to touch and appeal the affections of men. See, prior to us being sanctified by God in there, our affections were towards the world and, uh, and naturally linked to sin. We were born into the world. This is talking about after the fall of man. So after the fall of man, this is the nature of, of who we are. You are naturally linked to sin and have an affection towards the world. This is the reason why the Bible says that we have to be sanctified. Okay? This is the very reason why we have to be sanctified, my friend, is because of that. And, uh, and it ain't, and we don't want to deny that. We don't want to try to deny that. Ephesians chapter, go to Ephesians chapter uh, 5. Because it's Christ who sanctified you and me, the church. This is powerful stuff. But no, it, this, this ain't, again, this is not about a, appealing to our emotions, but this is about appealing to our inner man that God can accomplish the change in our lives that he needs so desperately for the body of Christ, for the church today. Somebody say the church today. So in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, the Bible says that he, which is Jesus, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Who is he talking about? The church. Who is the church? That's you and me. That God may cleanse through Christ Jesus, that Christ may cleanse us. This is the point of him dying on the cross. This is for him paying the price for the sins. This is for the fact in him accepting the, the charge that God gave him that would satisfy God, that would open up God's heart to redeem mankind, to bring man back into the right state that God originally had created man in. It took the the work of Christ Jesus, we all understand that. But there was more. There, there is, there's some depth to this. And in that, that Christ sanctified the church. He set apart the church for divine use. Come on, somebody. And that ain't what the church did for itself, my friends. This is what Christ did in the finished work. Amen. That he died for the, for the body of Christ. He died for all of us that would believe that is now what we know as the church. And he sanctified it with the washing of, the, uh, of, of water by the word of God. The Bible also says, you know, in, it that, um, in, in, in John chapter 17, Jesus also, he prayed for the church, that the church would be sanctified. And he prayed for the church that it would be sanctified. And how was that going to happen? By the truth. Go to John chapter 17. This is some serious stuff, and God is really wanting to appeal to our hearts. We can't stay where we are, my friends. 
We are living in a time uh, that's desperate for God. And when I say desperate, I ain't talking about God being a desperate God. But it's important, so important to God that we cannot continue to live the way we live it. That if we don't have an understanding of truly what uh, God has accomplished in his son, and if we don't have the understanding that sanctification is not what we're doing by, uh, uh, you know, trying to live a certain way, it's what we, what Christ has done and accomplished for God, and it's a state that we actually been moved to. Come on, somebody. And if and God wants to deliver unto us something that's super powerful right now, and that is an understanding that we, through the, his sanctification, by his word, by the truth, in the spirit, and we're going to look at that as well, because we are sanctified by the spirit of the living God, which is truth, which is Jesus. The spirit is Jesus. Did you know that? The Bible tells us that, and we're going to look at that even right now, that he is the spirit. The Lord is the spirit. They are one. And we are sanctified through the finished work of Christ Jesus by the spirit, through, by the washing of water of the word and also by truth it's all speaking to the same thing and, and in that sanctification that God has moved us to a state let's call it a state we won't call it a state that we, uh, that we know so and we ain't calling it Idaho we ain't calling it Michigan we ain't calling it Texas we ain't calling it California we're going to call it God's state in there, he's moved us to a state, and this what that represents is a place that God has moved us to, and we got to understand that we already live there. And so, what our sanctification is because of this is an act of God's grace. And what has He done? It's God's grace, it's an act of God's grace by which God Himself takes you, the affections of men, takes the, your affection, and what He does is He purifies your affection. And or alienate it, meaning he separates it from what it used to be and makes it for what it is now, what it's supposed to be. So when there's a, a real understanding that has to be drawn here, my friend, to understand that you don't sanctify yourself. You actually what you what we do is we walk in the sanctification that God has already made us set us apart for, put us in the place, the state that he's already made, put you in, then you actually live in that place. You acknowledge it and understand it. This is huge for somebody because what we've been trying to do is uh, uh, with the understanding is sanctify ourselves. And when we fall short of that, then we, you know, we, we lose our connection with the Lord. And God says, not so, my friend. You can't sanctify you. I did this. So all I need you to do is just pursue walking in the state that I, uh, that I placed you in. Live in this state. Don't try to go back to Texas. Stay here where I got you at. And so through the fall, so look at it. Again, this is the act of God's grace by which the affections of men, he takes your affection that was without your choice that you were born into. So don't try to deny it. It's all of us. We were born into sin and shaped in iniquity is what the word of God says. We were born into a state that was separated from God. And through the sanctification of the washing of the word by the blood of Christ Jesus, in truth and in spirit, he moved us from the state that we were born into, into his state. Come on, somebody. 
Glory be to God. It ain't something that we did. It's something that he's done. And he, what he wants to reveal to us is an understanding that if we understand this, then you'll understand that it was him taking your affections. See, because our emotions are lie to us about our affections. See, our emotions will lie to us about our uh, affections. And if you don't know no better, if you don't know what your affections is, and your affections ain't uh, what it used to be because of the washing of the, by the blood of the lamb, and you are still walking in deception or ignorance, which is another word for not knowing. When we don't know, then guess what? That's the great playground where Satan can trick us. So then he'll take our emotions to play on our affections and tell us a lie about our affections that you ain't of God. You ain't been purified for sin. Look at what you just did. You see the trick? But God says, somebody say, but God says that the affections of men, he purifies and alienates from sin and the world. He takes your affections and he alienates them from sin. So your affections ain't for sin. Your affections ain't for the world no more. And guess what he does? And he exhausts them affections to a supreme love towards him. This is what God did. I ain't talking about what you did. And see, and this is what the problem is, is that we think that we've done something. As soon as we fall to what we think we've done, then the devil is right there to tell you that, no, you ain't do nothing, see? But when we can get outside of our own understanding and know what the truth is, that this ain't what you did, this ain't what I did, my friend, this is what God did. And because he did it, guess what? You have the right to be transformed into the image of the son. You have the right. Because he did it. If it was up to you to do it, then none of us would have no rights to do anything because we, would, we can't. This is good news, my friends. Today, God is saying, I need you to understand sanctification is what I've already done. I've set you aside just like I did Jeremiah, just like I did David, just like I did Isaiah. I have set, separated you and set you apart for a good work. A work, a divine work is what the definition says. Do you know that your life has been set apart for a divine work? For the kingdom of God. It ain't just my life that's been set apart. It ain't just the bishop's life that's been set apart. It's for each and every one of us that have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. This is your life. It has been set apart. It has been cleansed from corruption to pure and purified from sin. The affections of it. And it's been made holy. And it's been given an attachment of an affection for a supreme love towards God. We just got to know it in order for us to begin to live in it. We've been lied to far too long. We've been deceived for far too long. And God is saying no more lies. No more. 
Look what Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 17. St. John 17. <clears throat> verse 17 through 19 is the scriptures we're going to read right now. Is everybody with me? Amen. This is a serious thing, my friend. The world even knows that knowledge is power. The world says that. So if I can't appeal to you in the spirit, then I'll speak a language that you can clearly understand. The world, somebody say the world, knows that knowledge is power. And see, and, and what we're talking about here is that the understanding, knowledge is the right understanding. When you have the right understanding about something, it brings forth power. See, when you have the right understanding about the word of God, it brings forth power, but it ain't your power. It's the power of the living God that is able to be at work. But the power of the living God can't be at work in your life if we're walking in unknowing. And another word for unknowing is what? Ignorance. Not dumb or stupid. That's the meaning. Ignorance is just is the fact that you don't know. So don't be confused by the word. 17 says this, sanctify them. And this is Jesus praying to the Father. For the disciples at that time and certainly for you and me today, he says, sanctify them, Father, by your truth. Your word is truth. As, I, as you sent me into the world, I also send them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctified myself, Jesus said, that they may be sanctified by the truth. See, the only one can sanctify themselves is Christ Jesus himself. You can't sanctify yourself. Otherwise, he would pray to the Father that they would sanctify themselves. That's not what it says. He said, I sanctify myself, which is truth that they may be sanctified by me, the truth, the word. That when I move them to this state, that they can rightly have residence in this state. That they won't no more be aliens in a foreign land, in the spirit. Do everybody hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying? That he has moved us into a state of sanctification. And, for, and because he's moved us there, you can live from that place. We ought to live from that place. We have to live from that place. And that is in the spirit. And by the spirit only. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's by the spirit that this is done. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And as you turn there, the real essence of the message is that sanctification without transformation, it equals a vessel that is unfit for the master's use. Sanctification without transformation equals a vessel 
that is unfit for the master's use. See, when God sanctified us through or by the spirit, through truth and his word, he did it. Remember what sanctification means or sanctify means is to set apart for a divine use. There's a use to this. And the, and, the, and the use is the sanctifier. The one who is setting the part is the one he's setting apart for a particular reason. And you, ain't, and you ain't the one. It's him. It's God himself that is sanctifying you for and me for a particular reason. And you need to know that. So you ain't just arbitrarily living in this world. You know, there is a purpose to each and every one of our lives. And, and understand this, the purpose for your life and mine is the same. What you've been set apart for, what you've been sanctified for, what you've been appointed to is the same. And that is the ministry of reconciliation that we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That he's given every one of us, that he's washed in the blood of the Lamb, that he's saved. The ministry of reconciliation. That he wants to work in you and through you. It's by the Spirit that sanctification happens. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 reads like this. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you. Brethren, beloved by the Lord. Whoa, that is beautiful. Can you imagine Paul speaking to you or even you hearing the Lord God saying, calling you brethren, beloved by the Lord. That's me. I'm brethren, beloved by the Lord. That's you. Do you know that you are beloved by the Lord? Some of us, all is what's going to change our lives is us knowing who we are. For so long, we don't know who we are. We, we, what we think of who we are is what's been said to us since we were yay high. It's what's been dictated to us by the world. We believe what the world said of who we are. You are nothing. You can't do this. You can't do that. And so many of us, even though we've been sanctified by the Spirit of God, we believe what the world has told us. And it ought not to be. He says, beloved, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning, somebody say from the beginning, we heard this before. Just like he chose Jeremiah, from the beginning he has chosen you for salvation through the sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. Come on, somebody. This sanctification is by the spirit and the belief in the truth. Do you believe in the truth today? Have you accepted the truth that gives you salvation? Then your sanctification is by the spirit of the living God. You didn't do it. He's given us a state to live in. He's, and what is, what is sanctification again? Oh, I ain't going to let you forget. It's the act of God's grace. Not the act of your uh, fortitude not a, the act of your ability to purify yourself from sin it's the act of God's grace by which he takes your affections your men, me and you and he purifies them and he alienates them, he separates them from sin and the world 
And in place of that, he exalts a supreme love boiling on the inside of you that you don't even have, you know that you have. Or you wonder, well, how, where did this come from? It's the act of God exalting a supreme love in you for him. We sing the song, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. But do we even understand why? It's what he's done and activated on the inside of us. And you didn't know you wasn't there. You didn't have, you, you didn't, it wasn't your choice. It ain't what you signed for. It's what God did when you, by faith, believed in the truth. And that truth, we, we know that we want salvation. But do you know when, when you accept the truth of who God is that by grace you have been saved through faith? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 28. See, we understand by grace that we've been saved through faith. But do you understand by grace, the God's grace, uh, that you have been in sanctified? It's by God's grace that you, not only have you been saved. See, for many of us, we wanted to just be saved so we can, you know, because we know what that means, salvation. That means that we have eternal life. That means when all of this is all said and done, that we're going to spend eternity with him, right? See, but God didn't just save you. He sanctified you. And see, what sanctification means is that before you get to eternal life, that I have a divine use for you today. I have a divine use for your life right now. This is what sanctification is. That he's moved you into the state. Not just saved you and made a reservation for you in eternity, but he moved you out of that state and into this state to be set apart for a divine use for the kingdom, my friend. And if you are not living a life of divine use for the kingdom, my friend, you are cheating God. That is faithful enough that when he makes your reservation, we already talked about this over and over again, that he, he, don't, change his, he don't change his mind. This is the reason why Jesus said when he, uh, to his disciples and to you and me that if a man would follow after him, let him deny himself. We got to die to this flesh, my friend, that we may be led by the Spirit of God to fulfill the divine use that we've been sanctified for. There's no more time to play games. We got to walk in the affections that God has made, the change, the inward change that ought to manifest itself in an outward manifestation. We got to walk in the inward change that God did. You didn't change this inside. God did. But now that we know it, and now we understand the purpose of it, then we have to walk in the change, and the change ought to be manifested on the outside. My God, this is a serious thing, my friend. And again, it ain't what we did. It's what he did. We want the salvation. Do you want the sanctification? The salvation comes with the sanctification. I'm going to read it again. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, because God, from the beginning, this starting in the middle of it, because God, from the beginning, chose you for salvation, through sanctification by the Spirit. Your salvation came to you through sanctification. It, your salvation, your reservation 
for eternal life came through uh, sanctification, which means it came through uh, him moving you through a state right now because you're going to go through sanctification before you experience the fullness of salvation, before we experience eternal life. Uh, before we enter into eternity, there's, uh, it, it was through sanctification that you experienced now in there that he moved us to another state. And what is that state called? See, I asked you about it now. Let's give that state a name. It's the marvelous light, my friends. It ain't Texas. It's the marvelous light. We used to live in darkness, but now he's moved us into the marvelous light. That's the state that we live in. Hallelujah. And you're going to live in that state before you experience eternity, before you go on to eternity, before you move to your uh, eternity. You know, we're going to move again. But we're gonna, our next move is in eternity, where we're going to have our permanent house. The mansion that's, yo, not made with man's hands. Come on, somebody. The one that Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for them. That where I am, they may be also. Hallelujah. The one that we all have a desire for. But will you right now take your, uh, understand that your affections, will you walk in the affections that God has purified and alienated from this world? And the world includes you and me, our old man. Always, my will, my way, because he says that his plans for us is far from ours. His will for us, it, it, it don't add up. Ours don't add up to his. That there's many plans of man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand, my friend. That's what the book of Proverbs say. That many are the plans of man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Hallelujah. And today is that day that God says, I need you to get an understanding. Because in this understanding, then what happens is, is that the true sanctification that he's done, then we can begin to live in. And in living in that, then what actually begins to happen is that a real transformation begins to happen in our lives. then a real transformation begins to happen in our lives. You remember I said that sanctification without transformation. And when it's without it, then guess what? It, it, it equals a vessel that is unfit for the master's use. But sanctification with transformation equals a vessel that is fit for the master's use, my friend. And that ought to be every one of us. Transformation, what does it mean? In theology, so as it pertains to us, transformation is a change of heart in a man. A change of heart in a man. Everybody got that so far? First of all, so that applies to you and me. A change of heart in us by which his, which is God's, oh, excuse me, by which his, meaning you and me, that our disposition and our temper are conformed to the divine image. This is transformation. 
The change in a man's heart, the affection of the man's heart then becomes, it, it, it produces a, a disposition, excuse me, by which his disposition, it changes our disposition and our temper and it conforms it to the divine image. What is the divine image? The image of his son. Hallelujah. See, this is what has to be happening in our lives now that we've been sanctified by God, set apart for the use of the kingdom of God, of the master's use. That the transformation that God has worked in us, a change of our heart. And in that change of heart, if we buy into it, if we submit to it, then it changes our disposition and our temper. And it, and it takes the disposition of who we are, our affections of who we are. And it conforms it not to who our old man, but it conforms it to our new man. Glory be to God, which is an image of the divine image of God, which is Jesus Christ, his son. Hallelujah. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12 to confirm what God is saying here. This is awesome. And it's all that God has set up and done for us, Mike. Yes. It ain't this what we got to accomplish because we'll never do it. He already did it. All we got to do is walk in it. it. It's time to live, my friends. Hallelujah. It's time to live. Yes. It's time to live. Romans chapter 12. Look at this. You already read this a hundred times, but guess what? Now it's going to really come into play because now we understand something. And what we understand is that transformation is a change in man's heart by which his disposition and his temper is conformed. It ain't just changing it to something that you want or, or something good that you thought of. It's your heart being changed and conformed into the divine image. Verse 2 of Romans chapter 12 says, and do not be conformed to this world. This was after he said that uh, he pleaded with them. That you, uh, he said, I plead with you by the mercies of God that you give your life over to as a living sacrifice to be holy and acceptable to God. Let's read it. Verse 1 actually. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, I'm begging you, if you understand that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. See, now we can understand what this is really talking about. This ain't got nothing to do with your outward, uh, you know, that you start on the outside, and that's all it ever changes is appearance on the outside. No, this is, has all to do with an inside change, and that inside change ain't come from what you're doing. It comes from what God has done in your heart first. And in that him, him wrapping in your heart, that you allow him to work the works that he wants to work, which is in your disposition and taking your temper and conforming it. And conforming it into what he wants it to be, this divine image. So it says that he pleads with them, that let your bodies be a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service now that he saved you for the day and sealed you for the day of redemption. Verse 2, it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, the transformation only comes by a renewed mind. What is a renewed mind today? 
A renewed mind is that you don't understand what you used to understand, but you understand what God is saying to you now. Renewed means that, no, I didn't really know this, but now I know. See, because what we understood before is we were trying to do it. When it was already done, instead of us trying, trying to do, we was trying to do what was already done. But the renewed mind says that, you know what? Now I don't have to try to do what's already done. I just got to walk in what's already done. That's the renewed mind. Glory be to God. It takes all the pressure off of you. See, because we've been failing trying to do what has already been done and, one, and, you know, and, and been frustrated to no end because we couldn't do it. But God says, now I need you to be transformed. Or don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he's given us a new mind today, my friend, that I've already done it, he says. And all I need you to do is to walk in it. Believe the truth. Believe me. Understand that it's, it's my desire. It wasn't your desire to be transformed anyway. It was my desire for you to be transformed. Hear me. My God. This is good news, my friends. And all of this was accomplished. We celebrate what Jesus done on that cross. And, we, and for the most part, we just celebrate the salvation part of it. But God has, it was so much more, my friends. He says not only did, did he accomplish salvation for you, but he, he accomplished transformation for you. Sanctification and transformation. That it, and, it, it, and not to even mention justification and all the rest. That is what God did. And it's funny because when you think about it, Brother uh, Minister Shields, the thing about it is we always was able to understand a little bit more about justification, that justification is what God did. See, but we never paid much attention to that not only was it justification, that he made you right with him by the blood of his son, but that same blood of the son also accomplished sanctification. So it ain't now that you, not I done justified you, now I need you to prove to me by uh, sanctifying yourself. No, I've already done that, he's saying. And see, I had a reason to do it because in my reason to do it is because I needed to use you today. See, we just stayed away from this. So it's no wonder to me or, or to us, it should not be no wonder why the church, the modern day church, why we've been so weak in terms of the kingdom, work of the kingdom. Why it's been so di uh, divided and unseparated and not, uh, you know, accomplishing much. Even though we've had a desire to do all of that. But that's what the problem is. It, it was born out of our desire to do it instead of uh, us walking in what God had already done. See, because what God has already done, he's already... Just what Ephesians the chapter 4 says, that he's already unified the body of Christ. That it's only one. That it's one blood, one spirit. It's one church. See, he already had did that. And then it was unified. But because we didn't understand, because we ain't had a renewed mind enough to understand what he has actually accomplished, then we tried to go back and accomplish and do what God has already done. In, a, in essence, in essence, but glory be to God that we are the beloved brethren of him. See, I love that. You know, I don't know about you, but I like being the beloved of God. You know, you know, uh, see, even in the natural, there's, you know, even the natural part of who we are, we like to be loved by, you know, a uh, uh, mama. 
you know, our daddy or, and even in others, you know, nobody don't want to be not loved unless something's wrong with you. We all have that propensity to want to be loved, but you know what? There's no greater love than him. And, and the reality is, is if we can really understand that who you are in Christ Jesus, the beloved of God, then it makes it, it puts the right precedence for you to be able to be loved by others. It sets the tone right. And not only to be loved by others, which I mean by be able to receive love from others. See, because when you, when you are the beloved of God and you understand that and we know that and we grow in that too, as we grow in that, then what's going to happen is, is we're going to understand that the love that others have for us, it don't have to come in the form that we want it. It can come in the form and we can actually receive it for what they send it from. See, come on somebody. But for us too long, because we, we haven't grown enough in the fullness to understand the, the one, that the, the beloved one for real, then we, you know, my love from, from you, I need it to come in a certain way and it's the way I want it. And if you can't love me the way I want it, then bump you. See, and then not only that, the second part to it is my friend is that then not only that, then we can actually begin to be able to love one another. See, so it's two things at work. One, you're not forecasting how, how your love for me should be, but just being able to receive the love that you have for me. And then in return, being able to love one another as he has loved us. Come on, somebody. This is good news. This is really good news, my friend. And if we can understand today that sanctification with transformation makes us, molds us, it separates, it ordains, which means appoint us to be vessels or into vessels that is fit for the master's use. This is how we become vessels that are fit for the master's use, not how you can make yourself but how the truth of the word by the spirit of God has sanctified you and made you this already. Now it's high time that we understand that. So now we can begin to live from that place in it. Somebody say in it. In it. Glory be to God. In it. If we receive this truth, this is a life-changing truth. I'm telling you, my friends. It is life-changing. It changes who you see yourself as. And so we can begin to truly see ourselves as the beloved of the Lord. It changes how we see others. Because what we understand, again, is this. We understand that sanctification is an act of God's grace. By which... He takes my and your affections. He takes it. He's already taken it. He's taken your affection, whether you realize it or not, and he's purified it. And he's alienated it from sin and from the world. So if your affections is set up on the world, 
If you have all of these burning desires, just you know, and the world's temptation is so overtaking you or overwhelming to you, then my friend, you need to know who you are because that is a lie and a trick from the enemy. That's not who you are. It's not who you are. Because the word of God says that he, by his grace, not by your works, not by your deeds, not by your own efforts, but by his grace, he have taken the affections, your affection, and he, for himself, has purified them, and he has separated, he's alienated them, your affections, from the world and from sin, and guess what he's done? Then he took that same affection that he separated from the, going towards the world, and he took it and brought it over here, and he says, um, and then he exalted it. He injected it with, with an exhortation of a supreme love towards him. Glory be to God. A supreme Love to him. Not a mediocre love to him, Aaron, but a supreme love to him. Come on, somebody. God is, he loves us with an everlasting love. And this is what he's done for himself. He's made it in us a way that is impossible for us to fail if we just walk by the Spirit in truth. This is why the Bible says you shall know the truth. And the truth is what's going to set you free. See, if you, you cannot know this truth. And the knowing of this truth is not just hearing it intellectually, but accepting it in your heart. When you accept this truth in your heart, my friend, you are free. You are free. Because truth is what sets you free. And who is truth? Jesus, whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. You are free today, my friend. Let us walk and live in that freedom that he's given us, and we are free to, uh, from the affections of sin. We are free from the, our affections being towards the world. Don't let no, the Satan lie to you no more. Your affections ain't towards the world because God did it. See? And what he's going to always tell you is, though, you, your, your affections is towards me. I'm talking about Satan. Because you ain't did nothing, but you remind him of who did do it. My Savior did it for me. He did it for me. So you want to, we sing a song that, that has, he did it for me. If you want to know what he did for you, then that's what he did for you. Come on, somebody. Glory be to God. Do you receive this in your heart today that God may make the change in your heart? And so we don't have to be, it's not about how we have to impress man or, or even impress one another. But we can be an impression on one another by this truth. So let us look to the Lord right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, you are awesome and you are mighty God. And what you've given us today, Lord God, is life, truly, truly life-changing, Lord. Let every one of us just receive in our hearts, Lord God, that what you poured out, Lord God, that it will give us the right understanding, Lord God, that it will set us on in this place, on this stage, Lord God, that our lives can truly then be poured out for you, Lord God, that it sets the precedence to truly what this journey is all about, Lord God, that you've given us a seal and a guarantee for our eternal life. And now, Lord God, we come to the understanding that you've even sanctified us and set us apart for your divine use, even right now. 
And it wasn't for what we could accomplish that was going to glorify us and make us look good in the earth, Lord God, but it was for your perfect will. It's when we go on to read in Romans chapter 12 that it says that all of these things are accomplished for one reason and one reason only. And that is that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's your will, Lord God, that's being done. So right now, Lord God, touch our hearts. Humble us, Lord God, like never before. Building us up and re-engaging us, reconnect us to that burning desire, Lord God, that you've already implanted in the depths of our heart. And we cast down every lie, every trick of the enemy that will tell us otherwise, Lord God, because we know that it's your truth and it's in your truth that we are being made free and that we've been set free. So we thank you right now in Jesus' name. And all the saints of God says, amen, amen, amen. Let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. 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 My God, come on. If you are here today and in this journey that God has called us to in this understanding, if you are willing to accept that in your heart right now and you need, and you know that you need the prayers and the agreements of all of the saints to help you get on this journey and to have the renewed mindset that God is worked and orchestrated in us today, then let us pray. We want to pray right now for one another. So just come to the front right now and let us pray real quick an agreement, a prayer of agreement.